Welcome to TSCRA Talk, a podcast by Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. I'm your host, Kristen Brown. Joining me today is Molly McAdams, the Executive Vice President of the Texas Beef Council. Today, we discuss how she came to the Texas Beef Council, areas that she and her team are focused on, and overall insight for cattlemen. This episode of TSCRA Talk is sponsored by Landvisor from Corteva AgriScience. Landvisor Advanced Breast Management provides a whole new way to see the potential of your land. Landvisor combines sophisticated imagery, data, technology, and expert guidance to give you confidence in your land management decisions. To learn more, visit landvisor.corteva.com or click the link in the show notes. Well, Molly, welcome to TSCRA Talk. We're so glad to have you with us today. Thanks, Kristen. I'm glad to be with you too. So Molly, tell us about your new role and coming into it. Well, you know, I'm heading up the Texas Beef Council, which is, of course, a, it's just a dream role. I'm following in the footsteps of great leaders before me, but when Richard Wortham announced that he was going to be retiring, really the opportunity to lead this organization was probably, I'm not going to say it was the only thing that would have, you know, convinced me to walk away from my own little company that I had built. But it was certainly, it was certainly one of those things that I thought, well, if I was ever going to do it, it would be for this role. Early in my career, I worked at TBC with Richard, actually. Richard was here at the time as well. And it just has always been an organization that has been deeply meaningful to me. I learned a tremendous amount here as a young person. And what I'm really hoping is that I can, you know, really give back to cattle producers in a way that is really powerful to them, but also in keeping with what I've spent my career building, which is a love for beef and beef products and a real passion for not just research, but also educating people about beef and promoting beef. So it's it's perfect. I love it. Well, I know you're a great fit, and I'm sure so many of our listeners are familiar with your background. They've crossed paths with you in your different roles um, throughout your career. But for those who aren't familiar with you, talk us through right quick kind of your, your experience, the things that you've done in the past that, that really make you such a good fit for this role. Well, I have experience in pretty much all segments of the meat industry. So I'm a trained meat scientist. That's my education. And I've been in Texas for a really long time. I'm a Florida native, but I, frankly, I've lived in Texas longer than I lived in Florida now that I think about it. But, you know, between my meat science background and then somewhere along the way, I became just deeply enamored with beef. So I I worked for Texas Beef Council early in my career. Then I worked in a research role under Bo Reagan at National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And those positions really teed me up for a lot of visibility. And I was recruited by HEB. So it brought me back to Texas. I was with HEB for the majority of my career. And I was the first business development manager for fully cooked meats. And so during my career with HEB, I did a lot of work in beef product development in particular, other meats as well, but beef, you know, because it was always my favorite. I love the protein. I think it's a perfect protein. And I knew that our customers really craved convenient beef meals. But as my career went on with HEB, I went through a period of kind of escalating 
either accountabilities or responsibilities within the organization. And then right before I left, I don't know, maybe four or five years, I was the vice president of own brands and their health and wellness platform. So through that, I traveled worldwide. We looked at products from all over and it was a deep focus on branding, marketing, product development, product qualification, but across all all platforms. I told somebody once that the only thing we didn't touch was gasoline, tobacco, and alcohol. <laughs> Everything else, we, we own branded <laughs> somehow. But I learned a lot. You know, I mean, when you work for an organization like HEB, you learn an unbelievable amount about the consumer. They're very thoughtful. They execute incredibly well. It's an amazing company as, you know, we know that here in Texas. And then, uh, you know, my dad was uh, terminally ill. And so I saw an opportunity to step away from a corporate environment. I'd always wanted to go into something entrepreneurial. And so I started my own little company and I worked with kind of small to mid-sized manufacturers back in meat. So I went back to my roots and through OM Cubed, which was my company, I did work again, launching new products, package design, product development, market qualification, market launch. And eventually I I developed my own brand of beef called Truly Simple. And then I sold that brand to a really great company. And about that time, Richard retired. (laughs) So that's the you know, short slash long version of, you know, the history of my career. But it really, you know, besides being an avid meat scientist, I got exposure to everything necessary to either market, promote, or research food products. And now I've been able to turn that right back to my favorite food product, which is beef. Well, as a as a rancher, as a cattle producer, it um, is very encouraging to me to know that you are heading up the Texas Beef Council and that team and, and all the knowledge and experience that you bring. It's so exciting. It's so encouraging. I know the future is extremely bright. And on that note, tell us a little bit about some of the exciting things that are going on with the Texas Beef Council and your team there. Sure. And, you know, one thing, though, that I'd like to mention as well, Kristen, that, you know, you, you said as a rancher, as a cattle producer, we're ranchers too. And so that acute awareness of cattle ranching and raising livestock, it's just embedded in everything that I do and everything I think about. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that for those who don't know me, you know, I'm married into a ranching family that has been ranching in Texas since the 1830s. So it informs every decision I make that that deep respect for production agriculture, for land management, for sustainability, for family businesses, for property rights. Obviously, I don't do, I, I have nothing to do with that in my current role, but it does affect every decision that I make because I'm, I'm deeply respectful of it. But I appreciate, um, I appreciate you mentioning that because it, you have the full circle, um, literally from pasture to plate perspective. Yeah. And that is so important. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's, I think it's always important to, you know, our stakeholders, all of our stakeholders, we, we market to consumers, but our stakeholders are cattle producers, ranchers, folks who farm and have cattle perhaps as a as an additional input into their operations. But that that awareness of how hard agriculturalists work every day is so top of mind for me. And and honestly, you know, back to the Beef Council, it is for the staff here. There is that that ingrained regard and support and love for our industry. And so you know, back to your question, I'm sorry for the segue there, but back to the question that you asked, you know, when you think about some of the things that we have going on, it is really exciting to see what is happening with the Beef Council, in particular with growing the brand around beef-loving Texans, which is such a perfect perfect brand and brand positioning for the state of Texas, you know, ranchers and consumers alike. We have some really aggressive work going on in, of course, in promotions with some of our channels, whether it's retail or food service, you know, kind of supporting food service and food service work as they've been shut down over the past year, but also a lot of work around direct consumers. And there's some really interesting trends that are happening with consumers that, you know, perhaps we could get into a little bit. Yeah, I would love to hear about some of the things that y'all are seeing. I know a lot has shifted. (laughs) Everything has shifted over the past year, 15 months. So talk us through what you've seen, what you're seeing now, what things are going to continue forward through this. Yeah. So, you know, I'm like a lot of people, I'm tired of talking about COVID and the pandemic but you cannot deny that it has had a tremendous impact on consumer behavior. And I think that some of those behaviors are going to stick. And, you know, I, I sometimes refer to behaviors or, or trends as, are they sticky trends? You know, are they going to stick around for a while? And one of the things that's really important to think about is that right now about 84% of consumers' meals are being cooked at home. That's the highest that it's been in a very, very long time. And a lot of that was by necessity. So when you think about pandemic-induced behavior, when things were shutting down and food service in particular was in a really negative position, uh, it's terrible, very difficult for that industry. Consumers were cooking at home out of necessity, but they then had to learn how to cook. And so our website traffic skyrocketed. It went up like 46% which also helped build the Beef Loving Texans brand as a brand that you can trust for information about the nutrition of beef, how to cook beef, how to utilize it, what to do with leftovers, all of those things. But what what consumers are saying is that even as restaurants open up, you know, we'll see if they stick to this, but 66% are saying they're, they're going to continue to cook at home. And you know, despite some of the negative headlines that have been out there about beef recently, it's persistent, it's pervasive, but consumers are still very positive about beef. And that's from, you know, sentiment, tested sentiment, which is good. I mean, there's a lot of negative information that consumers have to navigate every day. And I'm pleased to see that our that our consuming public is still very positive about our product. You know, some other things that you may be able to relate to in your own family is 
consumers have really gotten involved in watching videos, whether it's streaming services or also videos that are educational in nature. You know, I'm older than our target demographic, which is older millennial parents and millennial moms in particular. So I'm older than that. That's not my generation. But I have noticed in my own behavior that I've adopted that as well, where if I want to fix something around the house, because I'm the handy one, (laughs) I fix everything, (laughs) I Google it. And then I watch a YouTube video on how to fix my, you know, washing machine. Sure. And consumers are doing that too. So I don't know if you've seen that in your own personal behavior. Sometimes it's just easier and there's a lot of information out there. What we've done to respond to that trend is we have a constant supply of helpful information about beef that's available either in the written form or online through short videos or even longer content videos. And so we are able digitally to meet consumers exactly where they are, either on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, and our website. Well, that's fantastic that you all are meeting everyone where they are with the type of information that they want to consume. From your perspective, Molly, I want to hear some of the hurdles that you see facing the industry, but also what are some of the big opportunities that you see as well? You know, there's, there is one thing that I'll say about when you work in agriculture, you know, this is that every, every day is a new hurdle and um, there's, and that is true for our industry. You know, there's things that we can't control like weather and market price fluctuations. You know, we can't control things that are causing a tremendous amount of issues, really things like capacity at packing plants. We, meaning the Beef Council, we cannot control those types of things. But when you think about things that we focus intently on as a, as a business, we're watching a small but very steady increase in consumers who identify as flexitarians. And so a flexitarian is someone who really is a versatility seeker. They look for a lot of different opportunities in foods that they eat. They'll explore not just flavors, but also things like plant-based alternatives. So we're really keeping an eye on that audience. We want to make sure that we understand their motivations. They eat beef and we want to make sure that we keep them eating beef with science-based fact-based information about our product, about our nutritional offering. And honestly, I mean, we're not shy about pointing out that we offer a single ingredient whole food as opposed to some of the ultra-processed, you know, plant-based alternatives. And so we're not shy about pointing that out. The other thing that we see is that consumers are really looking hard for foods that fit a criteria of better for, whether it's better for me, better for the planet, you know, better for the farmer or workers, better for the animal. And that leads into one of the planks that was identified in the industry long range plan. And that has to do with sustainability. So sustainability basically is helping consumers understand that it's good for you, it's good for the planet, it's good for the animal. That platform of trust and transparency, you're going to see that in a significant amount of our work starting in our next fiscal year. 
So in the fall, when we're already, of course, we're already brainstorming and planning for it. And we, you know, we report to a board of cattle producers. And so the board sees it first, but there will be some significant work around sustainability messaging from a consumer's perspective. And that is really about trust. And we have some amazing trust stories. Your own family is involved in these really amazing connections with consumers and producers, of course, you know, whether they're buying horses or cattle from you all, but also consumers are watching the Instagram feeds. And I have to, you know, I do want to point out that, you know, I love the Instagram takeover with Tucker doing the Instagram feeds for TSCRA right now. It's brilliant. I love it. And that shows that, you know, TSCRA is taking a very serious look at this sustainability question as well, ranching from a rancher's perspective, but we're going to be engaging in that too. So those are the hurdles. And, you know, but, but there's, there's great stories as well. So when you think about, you know, according to Cattle Facts data, we're experiencing the strongest beef demand that we've had in 30 years. 30 years. I mean, that's the amount of time that I've been working in this industry. And so I was in, you know, either research or working for TBC or NCBA when beef demand was really at its lowest. And so I think about the strong, sustained leadership from cattle producers that get engaged either at through organizations like Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers or national organizations, they get engaged around these big issues. They strategically engage around what can we do as an industry to make sure that we are growing demand year over year, and it's worked. It is powerful leadership that, you know, I'm no historian, but I've been around long enough that I do remember an industry that wasn't focused on important singular goals. I remember arguing arguing vociferously about whether dollars should go into marketing or research. I remember all of that, but that focus, and it's a long game, that focus has resulted in the strongest demand we've had in 30 years. So it's strong at retail and even at food service where they've had to adapt to consumers not being able to come into their establishments. So they were successful with either off-premise or, you know, kind of on-sidewalk serving. There are other data, and the source for this is from the Power of Meat study that was reported this late winter, I guess. And that is that 43% of shoppers are purchasing more meat now versus pre-pandemic. And really beef leads the way with that. So when I think about demand, And I think about consumer behavior and how they're looking for ways to engage with our product. Those are really, really great stories to tell. That's so encouraging to hear. Even in the hurdles, there's so much opportunity. I hate that our time has flown by so fast, but closing out this conversation, what is something that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? You know, when I think about so I've I've spent a lot of my career interacting with consumers. And 
what we need to remember is that every single day, every day, consumers are making decisions about how to feed their families and themselves. And they have to think about a lot of things like nutrition or taste, affordability, ease of preparation. The other thing that I think is important is that every day we have a consumer that is entering a new life stage. And so, you know, they're moving out of their parents' home. They're getting their first apartment. Perhaps they're getting married and starting a family of their own. Their kids go off to college. They become empty nesters. When you think about consumers from a life stage perspective, every day consumers are going through something that is profoundly life-changing for them. So in the interest of meeting them where they are, it's so critical that we have this opportunity to tell them how great tasting nutritious beef fits into their lifestyle, how it supports their beliefs. Every day, it's our responsibility to let consumers know that they can feel good about choosing beef. And the way that we do that is by sharing our passion for land and livestock. And you can, you can tell, I mean, I get animated when I think about these things because I share that passion. I deeply share the passion for land and livestock, but every producer that can share that story and so many are doing a great job. We have to continue to do that because that's about trust and transparency. And then I think the other thing is, is that, you know, from my position, I want to express my gratitude for every producer for what they do, for you and your love for farming and ranching. I really hope that they'll continue to share their stories about not just what they do, but how they cherish the land, how they care for not just their families, but livestock in their care. And really that helps consumers know that choosing beef is a sustainable decision, but we can also share that it's a nutritious decision as well. And then finally, I'd be remiss, you know, for the producer audience, if I didn't point out that Cattle Talk is a publication, um, it's our producer newsletter that is available so that you can keep in touch with what we're doing at TBC and how we're investing your dollars to promote and educate and research about beef. But it's about straightforward news, it's transparent results, and to sign up for Cattle Talk, you can go to www.texasbeefcheckoff.com and you can find all the information that you would need right there. Molly, we appreciate you being with us today. We appreciate your time and your knowledge and and your wisdom and your encouragement. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for the time, Kristen. I appreciate you. Thank you again to Landvisor from Corteva AgriScience for sponsoring this episode. And as always, to learn more about TSCRA, visit tscra.org.